Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically. This is episode 35. And today we are going to be talking about a lot of different things. But the the name of the episode today is, if you don't name it, you shame it. And that's true about so many things. I debated calling it the five O's because we will talk about the five O's. Today, the conversation is with Whitney Tugas, and Whitney is an intimacy and pleasure coach, speaker, and facilitator, teaching women with vulvas and other humans how to experience life-changing, transcendent orgasms, heal through radical full expression and sexual integration, and live performance-free and fully seen. I love that. She believes that sexuality and relationships offer opportunities for deep healing, expansion, and self-actualization, and that most humans never scratch the surface of their birthright pleasure and innate sexual power, but that everyone can. Whitney is the creator of the School of Sexual Sorcery and the co-creator of Women Who Roar, In addition to her pleasure and intimacy work, she works with transgender women as a voice and expression coach. So you can see that we have a very exciting guest today, and I am so glad we finally got to connect. I'm not going to spend too much time in the introduction here because we just have such a great conversation to get to, but just a reminder to make sure that you join the Facebook group if you aren't part of that very soon, probably next week. We, I am going to be starting doing some lives in that Facebook group. And the first things we're going to tackle is if you haven't done the monogamy quiz, go ahead and do the quiz because I'm going to be expounding on the results of that quiz next week. So be prepared for that. I will send out an invite and you can catch that. But the recording... I will I will do it live in the group, but then it won't stay. And if you want access to it, you'll be able to have access to it. But it's not going to be free like in the group. So if you can get there and listen for free, then awesome. If not, you'll be able to purchase the recording. The price of that recording can go towards your consultation with me about that quiz. So we can do a one-on-one consultation and just go over those results and find out what they actually mean for you and what the possibilities are because it's a great thing to explore before like if you want to know if this program is the right thing for you uh, breaking free from monogamy essentially it's breaking free from the mono mindset I just have a passion for you to understand what's out there and what's possible all the juiciness that 
you might be missing out on. And you might be surprised by the results. So take that quiz and let me know what your results are because uh, a lot of people have been surprised. So very exciting. Anyway, stay tuned because we will be right back with Whitney Tugas. If you don't name it, you shame it. We are just going to have a great conversation. Stay till the end if you want to hear about the five O's. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Are you struggling with your sexual well-being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, you are ready for the Breaking Free from Monogamy 8-week program. In this 8-week program, you will learn how the mono mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being. How the mono mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships. How it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security. Why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo. And how the mono mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am. I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I have always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But what if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my eight-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Please go visit offers.kareenbedard.com to go take the free Is Monogamy Right For Me quiz and to enroll in the new Breaking Free From Monogamy 8-week program. That's offers.k-a-r-i-n-e-b-e-d-a-r-d.com. Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically. Today I am having an amazing conversation already with Whitney Tugas. Did I say that right? You did. <laughs> Good. Um, and Whitney and I have been trying to connect for a little while. Uh, some of you might remember my podcast with Joshua Ludlam, 
And he connected us like months ago, and we finally have connected. So I'm super excited because where has this lady been all my life? Um, we seem to have so much alignment in what we do and our values and desires for people and for the growth at such a deep self-awareness, self-love level. And to us, both of us, it's really the starting point for so many things. And I love that you recognize the importance of that because um, I think a lot of people maybe try to do this work sort of non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy, you know, like bringing our awareness to, you know, swinging and polyamory and all these different modalities in our sexuality and don't really, really get to the root of who you are at your core and what your actual desires and wants and needs are from like really base self-love level. And I find that that's where the drama comes from. <laughs> and I don't want to be bringing people into that world with drama because it can be avoided and it just comes from a healthy you. And um, so that's what I talk about so much. And um, it's cool because it sounds like that's what you talk about as well. So without further ado, will you tell us, Whitney, a little bit more about you and what you do? Yes. Thank you for having me. For those of you listening, we have gotten lost in conversation and finally hit record. <laughs> I wish you heard all the great conversation that just happened, but I'm sure there's more to come. I'm Whitney Tugas. I am a pleasure and intimacy coach. I've studied it in some form or fashion for the past 20 years and started coaching it much by accident. I have a signature offering called School of Sexual Sorcery, which is an eight-week program for women with vulvas, teaching them how to experience five transcendent, life-changing orgasms that are possible for any woman born in this kind of body. Apart from my work as a pleasure and intimacy coach, I'm also a trained speech-language pathologist, and mm -hmm. I'm a voice therapist and expression coach exclusively for transgender women. Thanks. I'm also co-founder of Ceremonies of Radical Feminine Expression called Women Who Roar, and I'm here to serve expression and connection and the feminine in nice. authenticity. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So many beautiful things there. And of course, you're into voice training too. <laughs> of course, naturally forms, we have right? that like, Of course we have that. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> we both have classes. We both have curly dark hair. I mean, anything else? <laughs> oh, funny. Okay. Well, let's get started. Um, oh my gosh. Where do we start? Because we've just been talking about so many things. And I don't know. Can you hear my dogs barking? Yes, but it doesn't bother me. It's very faint. And it's, I mean, if we're doing a podcast about authenticity, let's make it authentic. All right, here we go. Thank here you, Sammy, go. for involving the authenticity process. <laughs> oh, now he's howling. I don't hear that. Now he's singing. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I don't hear that at all. Oh, funny. Okay, it cracks me up when they do that. It doesn't happen that often, but oh. Anyways. Um, so we were talking about, well, I was telling you about the program that I've just launched and um, just the 
shifting the programming and how that programming affects us. And I think a lot of us don't realize that we have this sort of innate programming that we've adopted from our society. It's just kind of been like pushed on us. Um, only, and, and a lot of times it's just that if you haven't seen any other models, or if you haven't been taught any other models, then there is no other model, you know? So it's not like someone's force feeding it down our throats, but it's just, there's no other examples. And then when you come across other examples, it's like, oh no, that's wrong. Especially if you grew up religious, mm-hmm. you know? And I find, especially in the States, like it's such a culturally religious country, right? Like, there's a lot of people that founded that way, right? A lot of people don't act like Christians on their regular day, but they would say they're Christians. And then on certain points, they will just die on a rock. And it's like, what? Like, I did not see that coming, right? Because your life in general does not indicate that you would be believing these things or, or so connected to that programming but here it is and so it tells me that our religious programming and the religious programming to begin with really informs the societal programming and and those who have listened to this podcast have heard me say that many times but it's so true right so you said you came across a term this morning in a post and i thought that was so interesting so would you share with us what that was I did. We were having a conversation about sort of under the umbrella of authentic expression. There are these trends that you and I are identifying you as it pertains to relational architecture mm-hmm. and exploring things outside of monogamy and giving people permission and pathways to do that. Me as it pertains to gender identity expression and living in full authenticity in that way. And obviously integrating your sexuality in a way that's healthy and in a way that honors and celebrates all of the things and the gifts that can come through our sexuality. And I mentioned that I saw this morning a post, and I've seen this word before, but I think it's interesting that I saw this post today and it planted that seed yeah. this morning. But the term is compulsory heterosexuality, and it's the assumed and enforced notion that the valid romantic relational dynamic is between a man and a woman. And we were talking about, or I was sharing how the concept of gender is sort of morphing and crumbling and the concept of a valid relationship structure Mm -hmm. is morphing and crumbling and um, how those, those things really intertwine together, sexuality, relational Mm -hmm. architecture, all under the umbrella of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, So good. And, it's interesting. We've made such good, great strides when it comes to like redefining relationships. Is it for for gay and lesbian, and you know the whole LGBT movement? Like it's really come so far, but there's been so much work that's been done for years and years and years to finally have that shift in people's mindsets come to light. And it's still not accepted by, by everybody, but it's definitely the programming. Uh, the, we allude to like the fact that we are not all programmed to accept that, right? Like we understand that we've been programmed to think that homosexuality is wrong and where that comes from and everything. 
Um, so we're aware of that programming, but I think that there's not enough awareness of non-monogamy being right. done in a healthy way, ethically and consensually and really beautifully. And that's not been given as an option yet. You know, like it's starting to come out in the media, but often it comes out as only a man with many women. That's the most sort of understood scenario of that is even in the Bible, right? But like the idea of a man, of a woman having more than one partner that is a man, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, we can kind of understand a woman having another woman partner and a man. That makes sense a little bit more than just a heterosexual person wanting to have another heterosexual relationship like that just doesn't even compute for most people and people, yeah. yeah and and i find like i see that mm -hmm. the comments like if i bring something up like that oh well i agree with so and so that if you have eyes for someone else then you're with the wrong person and to mm -hmm. me that makes me so sad because if that has to be your reality in order for the other to be true, then we've lost such potential in our lives for more love and intimacy and connection. Um, and it's so limited. And so I just want to break that wide open and show people sort of the beauty of all the options. And it may not be for them. And that's right. fine. But in the end, you get to choose what it is that you want to adopt instead of just being force-fed it and just defaulting to that. So let's talk about how the programming affects our sexuality. And I, I use the word sexual well-being in my program because that tends to be sort of all-encompassing when it comes to our sexual well-being can involve just like our our sex positivity, our ability to enjoy pleasure, our ability to enjoy sexual intimacy with others, um, how comfortable we are with our bodies. So it's just anything having to do with our sexuality, feeling good and being okay with it and well-being meaning no shame and no guilt. So that's how I use it. So with that in mind, you know, how does the programming more specifically in your experience, how does it particularly affect our sexuality and how we come to accept our sexuality or deny ourselves our sexuality? Because that is a big issue. And I don't deal specifically with that. I do. But that's not my my main area, right? We all have to pick <laughs> and choose. You can't do everything. Um, but definitely, I have a passion for that. And I really want to hear from other people that are in directly that, that realm. So let's talk about sexuality. I would love to talk about sexuality. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the work that you do for destigmatizing. Mm -hmm other valid forms of relating that don't fit into the monogamy box that we've been prescribed. I not raised religious. I was raised in South Carolina, which is the buckle of the Bible belt. I was raised in Greenville, which is home to 
Bob Jones University. You can't (laughs) kick a stone without hitting a church. A lot of wonderful people there, but it is imbued with this very deep South Christian mentality and culture. Mm -hmm. I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I did spend some time going to church of my own volition, but I don't have the same kind of evangelical upbringing as you. And still, despite being raised by generally sex positive parents, I still didn't escape the sexual shaming that we are all subject to Mm. growing up in this country, in this culture. Mm -hmm. So, excuse me, I can speak to the same thing, but from a different perspective, which I think is really valuable and really indicative of how pervasive these narratives are, that they come from religion and they come from outside of religion. They, they are one, an example. So I host workshops. I work in groups of women and I always start the conversations by asking, what were you told to call your genitals when you were growing up? Mm. And some of the answers that I get, I've never heard anyone say that they were taught that they had a vulva. Mm -hmm. Most of the things are private parts, which is what I was taught. Or absolutely ridiculous names like Birdie or Sugar um, <laughs> or Peepers, uh, Peeper, excuse me. We are told from the time we're very young, generally, that every part of our body has a name except our genitals. That's mm-hmm. called something else. So if I ask you what this is called and you're three years old, you know, that's an elbow. Mm-hmm. If I ask you what this is, it's an ear. This, oh, we don't talk about that, is the implicit message of not giving it a name. So what you don't name, you shame. And that's taught to us very, very young. And then it carries on throughout our lives until we recognize, wait a minute, this is having implications on my experience of being alive as a human in the form of being shut down in my body, not experiencing sexual pleasure, not experiencing emotional connection and safety with my partner. Um, you know, not knowing that my body has the ability to experience these incredibly transformative things. And it starts so early. So I think that there are a lot of, there's so much more to this than I am even aware of, but I am a product of it just as much as anyone else. And I think that it's incredibly valuable and imperative to reprogram and rewire Mm-hmm. those false narratives because our all of us are products of sex everybody on this rock is here because <laughs> of an orgasm every single one of us a being a sexual being is how our species has survived and evolved we are innately sexual and not to say that everyone has a high sex drive like you can be asexual and you, that is still a form of your sexual expression mm-hmm. we are sexual beings and By denying and repressing and shaming this intrinsic part of our humanity, we deny and limit how fully expressed we can be in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it, it's so interesting. I love what you said about what you don't name, you shame. And 
I've just been kind of pondering that as you're talking because it's it's so true and and let's just let's just talk about addiction for a second. Like if we don't name an addiction, we pretend it doesn't exist, we're shamed by this behavior, we hide it. Mm-hmm. And we we don't acknowledge it. And so we can't move past anything, we can't grow we can't learn from it if we don't name something, right? And it, and again, naming something is it has to do with awareness. And so that's what we're talking about is let's let's start to be aware of first of all what we've been taught because most of us don't think about it. And two, let's be aware of our bodies and how this actually plays out. And a lot of times we have deep-rooted feelings of shame and guilt in our bodies that shut us down and we don't even know it's there, let alone know where it came from, you know? And it's not always trauma. It could just be the way that we were presented or not presented parts of our body or how people reacted, you know, like how my mother reacted about masturbation. I was so ashamed of myself and I couldn't stop. And the obsession with having to stop because I was so shameful made it more of an urge and made it more of an obsession. And, you know, I would go through these cycles where I just felt so awful about myself and, Mm. you know, I'd try to justify it somehow. Um, And if someone would have just said, it's no big deal. Like you get to experience pleasure in your body and there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy. I I would have like enjoyed and then not really thought a second more about it until another time. Like, but this continual obsession and hiding and feeling ashamed made me feel like I didn't fit. There was something wrong with me for having sexual urges as a Christian girl I certainly was the only one in my youth group that struggled with that. You weren't. Right? <laughs> Everyone else there was human too. And let me say for anyone listening and you, Corrine, <laughs> you are allowed to enjoy your body and your pleasure. Your sexuality is yours. It is 100%. for no one else but you. It is all yours. But Whitney... Yeah, I was told that my body belonged to my husband since I was a kid. So how did my body belong to me? You were lied to. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's where what? you need reprogramming. I know it's such I, a what? it's such a problem. It's such you a mean, problem to rectify. <laughs> you mean my body is mine? Like it doesn't I do. You mean I can no. say no to someone if yeah. I really don't like? I'm not. I don't owe anybody anything. You can say no just for the hell of it. Like right now. No. 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 Feels so good. I love no. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And that's such a vulnerable and relatable experience. I think anyone listening to this, myself included, can relate to either implicitly or explicitly being shamed for our sexual expression before we could conceptualize what it even meant or what the messages were that that was instilling in us. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, masturbation is way up there on the list of things that people can relate to being shamed for. Well, Thank starts- you for sharing that and normalizing that conversation and that recognition. 
Well, and doesn't it start like a like I remember when my babies were born, you know, if they would go and touch themselves or like my son when he was born, you know, oh, babies have erections. Nobody tells you that. And then they want to touch that. That's bad. And you shoo their hands away. Like you don't want them to like find out that that feels good. (laughs) You know, there's just this internal shame that's going on even as parents towards our children. And, you know, until we're aware of that, we can't shift that. So even shifting like, oh, don't do that. And you could be meaning don't do that here in public. That might be what you mean. But if you say, don't do that, that's that's not okay or that's not appropriate, the message gets sent that, that that's not okay. Whereas exactly. if you say, that's something that you can absolutely do in the privacy of your own room yes. or when, you know, if you're with other people who are consenting to that, that's a later conversation. But right. do you know what I mean? Like, I do. I'm not, you don't want to send them to their room like you can only do that in your room that's a different message too and so I think that parents are now are learning sort of this language a little bit and implementing it and recognizing that their children are sexual beings and that that's not necessarily shameful and I'm really happy to see that and I've observed that more and more with newer parents um and it could be that I'm more in the secular world as well but even so like even in the secular world, people not religious at all, you get, oh, don't do that. That's, exactly. That's not, don't touch that. That's, that's dirty. What? It's just the default, the default, like monogamy is the default, like um, heterosexuality is the default. The default as it relates to sexuality is shame-based, unfortunately. It is. There was a, there was a really wonderful article I read years ago when my son was young. I think it was called, We Don't Touch Our Vulvas at the Table. And it was about just yeah. That, but I don't remember the article except that I absolutely adored it to the point that now, eight years later, I remember the title. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google it after this, but it was exceptional. It was about exactly that how you talk to children about their bodies and their exploration of their bodies in ways that give them permission to explore. This is all, you know, an eight year old memory. So if you read it and it's not about this, <laughs> Give me some grace. But as I remember it, it was about exactly that. I'm so tempted to call this this episode, We Don't Touch Our Bulbas at the Table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's copyrighted. I know, probably it's is. It's not my article. I, I wish I, I wrote it. I could say something else. We don't touch our vulvas um, in public or I don't know. Anyways, that would be funny. <laughs> um, oh, I, I was just thinking too, like you're talking about the article that you saw. But do you ever watch like uh, videos or reels on Instagram or TikTok or whatever where parents are at the zoo and the monkeys start having sex or something or some animal starts having <laughs> sex and like the shame and embarrassment that's happening and and just this <laughs> cognitive dissonance happening in the parents like we, we, how do we deal with this? And we hide the window or we got to get right. the kid out of here or, oh, what, what we can't do. Whoa. It is so funny to see the it discomfort is. and it's animals. Yeah. Right. It's I had just- an experience last night. <laughs> Actually, my son and I were getting tacos and there were these two copulating flies who landed on our table. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I think, I think they're conjoined twins. 
And it's like, <laughs> or maybe they're making baby flies. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I it's think- so funny. Yeah. The, nobody teaches. We're figuring this out as we go. Yeah, exactly. Props to, you know, that we're not doing everything right. I know we're imperfect humans, but I'm really proud to see the shifts that are happening in our generation of parents and in bringing awareness of the messages we are giving our children. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are others that we're giving them that we're unaware mm-hmm. of, of course, but at least as it pertains to things that we know that were impactful to us that we're rewiring, I think that it's inspiring to see parents intentionally wiring their children in whatever way they can in a way that is different. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's just flip the coin and just just talk about the the beauty of being able to have non-shame-based conversations about sexuality with your children because yeah. mine are 16, 19, and 21, and my 16-year-old I can have, because he's the only one at home right now, so he's stuck with me and we have to have conversations because I can't not have them. No, but um, the other day we were having conversation about relationships and everything and he started talking about love languages and stuff and I was like, oh, what? This is amazing. We just had such a great conversation. But we've had also so many conversations about sex and sexuality and like even specifics with sex in an educational nature, you know? And he knows he can ask me things. If he has any questions, he can come ask me instead of like go to the internet, Yeah, right? Like he could go to the internet, that's fine, but I can guarantee that I'm going to have a lot more useful practical information for him. And the fact that he's not embarrassed about that it took a little while to like break down sort of the societal embarrassment of bringing that topic up because you're not supposed to especially with your parents you can't talk about that but now he's like why wouldn't I talk about it with you like if I can't talk about it with you I'm not gonna be able to talk about it with other people in a sort of educated mature way right? right and he can think about it and be responsible and make responsible choices based on being educated and not just doing stupid things for the sake of exploration. If, if exploration is made safe, then you can fail at home. You can, Mm. you know, you can learn from your mistakes rather than go out into the quote unquote real world and make uh, life-changing mistakes, right? And Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. And so it it also holds him accountable. Um, it, and I just think like it's so important. And I know that the girls they hated when I talk about it about stuff. But you know, whenever their friends came over, if they ever had a question about a sex toy or a this or that, they would ask me. <laughs> And they would hang out and they knew that I was a safe person to talk about these things with. And I just think that that's so important. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about creating safety earlier and how creating safety is one of the most important things. And first it starts with creating safety in ourselves. But if we don't know how to do that, 
even someone else creating safety for us in in a certain area can help us learn how to create safety for ourselves. Um, and, and that's one of our roles is to hold a safe space for people to explore the things that don't feel safe at the moment, right? We were talking a little bit about empowerment and um, connection and safety and how that relates to empowerment and and how that relates to, you know, having an empowered relationship with yourself and with others. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? Because we did have a little bit, we touched on it in our conversation. Yeah, we did. We, um, you were sharing how a lot of what you do, you wrote an article, like piecing together pieces of our conversation, I remember you saying that you had written an article sort of debunking the notion that communication is the most important part of any relationship. And you and I agree on this, that it's actually, yes, it's important, but there are other things that are more foundational, like you listed safety and um, oh, was awareness one of them? Connection. Connection. And you you brought up awareness. (laughs) I brought up awareness of what's coming up within yourself because if you don't mm-hmm. have awareness of what's happening within you, you can't relate to anyone else without first relating to yourself. You can't share with someone what's true in that moment if you don't know what's true in that moment. So, um, and I think just just yeah, to I- plug both of our programs here, <laughs> I think that the nature of both of our programs is literally that first step of becoming aware of who you are, what your desires are, getting rid of shame around your thoughts and your fantasies and what's possible for you, getting clear on what your needs are and how to fill those needs. Sometimes you totally can fill them yourself. Sometimes you do need other people, but to just rely on other people and expect other people to meet those needs when you don't even have a fucking clue what your needs are, what your desires are, is completely, one, irresponsible, two, unattainable, and just a recipe for frustration and resentment with your partner. But we yeah. we come at it with this belief that right. even if I have no clue what I want, but my spouse should know. <laughs> right. And the, I, I mean, is so related to sexuality and Mm -hmm. to pleasure because if we don't feel if we are so numb to our bodies we have to be able to feel when our bodies are communicating things to us if we are shut down from our body telling us something feels unsafe then our our I don't know how explicit I can go. Our, oh, our it's explicit. <laughs> oh, great. We have an explicit so our rating. Our is going to respond. Our cervix is going to clench. Like we're going to not be open. Mm-hmm. And if we force anything, it's not going to be from a place of open receptivity, which is going to create a micro trauma, which is going to create further shutdown. Whereas if we are aware, like, ooh, there's something coming up in my body that I need to voice or like I really need to, I need this satisfied emotional connection before I can do anything physically intimate. If that is skipped over or there's not awareness of that, you're, you can't, you can't reach these transcendent levels of it's not just pleasure, but it's really, it's profound soul healing Mm -hmm. that can be experienced in sex. And so 
in relationship. Yeah, you have to have this baseline level of awareness, but in relationship to your own pleasure mm-hmm. and what's possible for you to experience in your body, you have to have relationship to your body and awareness, not just of your thoughts, but of your physical feelings. You have mm-hmm. to embody your feelings and translate how embodiment of emotions registers within you so you can communicate it and ask for what you need and open yourself up to these transcendent realms of pleasure it's so beautifully intertwined yeah and don't you think like our programming keeps us stuck from being able to tap into our bodies yeah our programming and also i mean we're not we're not taught to express so many of us I know that when I was a new mom, my nervous system was wholly dysregulated. Mm -hmm. I was completely dysregulated. To hold space for ourselves and to hold space for another, you have to have nervous system regulation that has Mm -hmm. to be cultivated because living in the world, especially living in through a pandemic, you're (laughs) going to be continually dysregulated. If you can't come back to baseline and you don't have ways to do that, you're going to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Totally fucked. And it's not your fault. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a natural response that your body does to survive. God bless it. It's such a brilliant survival tactic. Yeah. And it's not serving us. And it's it's important to learn other ways of regulating ourselves so that we can experience all that is ours to experience and connect in ways that are deep and meaningful and transformative. And it might be worth noting, like, you still have a choice. If you just want to survive, that's absolutely a choice. Absolutely. <laughs> if that's all you want, if you just want to survive in life and get through life alive and not experience deep intimacy, deep joy, the ability to be vulnerable, to the ability to feel peace in your body, feel joy, happiness, and immense pleasure. We'll just add that again. If If that's all you want, and you don't want these other things, then by all means, don't worry about your- Yeah, no shame in that. Like, don't worry about it. And find a relationship with someone who also does just wants to survive. I mean, it's maybe not going to be very happy, but you might not expect very much from them either. And so I think the, the people who like care a lot about relationships tend to be the ones that struggle the most- <laughs> My hands way up. I know my I'm hands such a too. shitty partner. <laughs> well, I mean, and, I'm a great one now, but I yeah, that is no, absolutely. I love that you owned case. that. I love that you oh, God, owned your side. Um, and to be fair, I I study to do all the right things, and I was yes. doing all the right things. However, my programming was not allowing me to actually let go. I didn't know that I. I didn't have to make someone else responsible for things that they didn't need to be responsible for. And so it just kept aggravating my anxiety, my mm-hmm. attachment anxiety. Uh, I didn't realize I had that. I wasn't aware of any of that. I just knew that, you know, you find your prince and you get married and happily ever after. And I mean, I wasn't that naive, but I also had that programming. So as much yes. as I didn't think I was naive, that was the training I had subconsciously. Yeah. And so that made me a shitty partner without realizing it when I was trying my very best to have yes. the most connected, 
beautiful, sexually available relationship. I was the one who was never going to say no to my husband, right? Like that mm. was how intensely devoted to this process I was. It was not going to be that wife who disconnects and makes her kids all the focus in her life and totally doesn't pay attention to her husband. Um, it turns out that that caused me to want way more from my husband than what he was ever willing to give. Right. And rightfully so, because the expectation I thought was normal is sometimes something someone can't even give if if it's an expectation. Mm -hmm. No one no one wants to have expectations put on them. It's like you can never meet the mark and you're just always failing. Mm -hmm. If everybody feels like they're always failing, well, 100% that does not feel safe. And right. I don't know where I was going with that other than you owned that. Those of us, that's it, those of us who are the, you know, quote unquote, the hopeless romantics, right? The ones who care the most about having a great relationship are often the ones who don't. And they don't understand because they're trying so hard. Well, yeah. let me say right now, it's not your fault. Mm -mm. It's not your fault. And you can change you, it. Yeah. You're doing what you were taught. You're doing the programming that you have subconsciously. You have no idea what's running the show. And so when we can take a step back and become aware of what our programming is and how it's affecting us, then everything can change. And then you yes. get to make decisions, conscious decisions about your life and what you want it to look like. And that right there is worth no amount of money. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I think that if people could see it that way and go, wow, yeah, I want freedom, not yes. freedom to just sleep with whoever you want. That's not what the freedom I'm talking about. I'm talking about like literal freedom from yourself, yes, from feeling like you have to fit in a box and that you have to do it a certain way to be accepted and to yes. be worthy and the freedom to love yourself genuinely and authentically for exactly who you are without feeling like you have to shift who you are deep down and and make excuses or um apologize for who you are you know like yes. so often if you admit something about yourself you're like oh i'm so sorry you know forgive me for having this thought but and it's like no we don't have to you know we're not trying to offend anybody by anyways, a little soapbox there, but oh, I can relate to that <laughs> so profoundly for a different different reason, but same same undercurrent of desiring to be accepted and mm -hmm. to not apologize. My shitty partner behavior stemmed from exactly what I teach now, being shut down to my own body and what it was telling me, not knowing what my needs were, how to communicate those needs, how to set boundaries so that are my relationships could thrive within them and what happened is that that all all those needs and all those repressions of uh, that stemmed from fear of being too much essentially mm -hmm. came out sideways in the form of passive aggression and damaged the thing that i was trying to cultivate and the shifts that happened for me came from first of all like here I go on my soapbox again, learning how to tune into my body, mm. 
learning how to express that mm-hmm. and rewiring what it feels like to feel safe in my body to express that and then to have partners who when I did that welcomed it and relished it and celebrated it and like could not get enough it became a gift that I offered this thing that I thought made me too much became (laughs) magnetic oh I love that you said that because that has been my experience completely and I talk about this a lot on the podcast is that when you meet your people, it's just transformative. Like you're like, oh, I'm not too much to those people. Like the things that push others away that aren't your people are the things that mag, you know, people are magnetized to you for. And people tell me all the time, like, Kareen, you're so loving and you're so, I love, you know, what you share and how open you are. And it's like, those are the things that threatened my relationship the most, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's so beautiful how those messages, those too much messages mm. come from our most vulnerable connections mm. where we so desperately yeah. desire and need belonging. It's also, I mean, they also come from sex. We're wounded mm-hmm. in sexual intimacy and emotional intimacy. We can also the flip side, be healed in emotional intimacy yeah. and sexual intimacy. I just think it's so beautiful that the same things that trigger mm-hmm. those fears are the same things that heal them. I, it's like relational and sexual homeopathy. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. I love that. I have a visual, uh, an analogy in my mind right now that's showing and I feel like I want to share it because uh, those of you who are like me, and analogies help a lot. Um, if you think about someone who's kind of drowning, they're like maybe kicking and screaming or kicking around, and they're pretty volatile to the people trying to save them if they're in a panic and they're just, you know, trying to, and the person just wants to help them or the person's actually trying to sort of be there but doesn't know what to do with that. And so, your very instinct to just try and survive makes you sometimes the most toxic and the most volatile because nobody can approach you. So you actually become too much because you're too much for yourself. And so you won't let your nervous system regulate in order to just be calm, which if you were calm, you might not be drowning. Right. And, and it's just so interesting And I don't know why that came to my mind, but, you know, it's just like this fight, 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 fight. And and if we just had a little education of like not fighting could save our lives, (laughs) could make that experience in the water so much more enjoyable and then other people could approach us. I don't know if it's interesting. I just need a moment to let that land. I felt that that I... I'm sure there are other people who benefited from hearing that, but I know I did. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. What a beautiful illustration. Yeah. It's just so visual of yeah. the struggle. The struggle. And I I want people to be free of the struggle. Yeah, you don't have to struggle. No. And like my program's called Breaking Free from Monogamy, but like it's not really monogamy that I want you free from. It's not monogamy that traps you. 
Mm-hmm. It's all the things surrounding monogamy only, you know? So um, I just don't want it to be misconstrued, but like what we're working through is literally what you and I are talking about right now. It's like coming back to yourself, coming back to your instincts and, and trusting yourself and really trusting that what you want is valid and it's okay and just letting go of all that shame and nervous system baggage that makes you kick and scream and and fight, you know, and just to go back to calm and be like, oh, I don't have to do any of that. In fact, I can pick and choose what it is that I want and I can customize my relationship design and I can customize my life and my sexuality and I can try things and go, oh, I don't really like that. Okay, scratch that off the list and not have shame about having tried the wrong thing, you know? No, absolutely. My guess the the other day. It's all information. Yeah. My guess the other day thought when she was younger, she had said that she thought that she was gay. She thought maybe that she, and then when she had an experience with another woman, she was like, nope, nope, I'm not. And it was so eye-opening to her. But like, if she wouldn't have been allowed to even ask herself the question or explore that, she would have been confused like for so long. Yes. So just little things like that. Stop the fight. Freedom, freedom, freedom. (laughs) Permission to explore with consent. Yes. Whatever it is that you desire exploring, that's if there's something that's calling to you, there's a reason. And there are ways to explore just about anything with integrity mm-hmm. and consciousness and in a healthy way, literally almost anything. That's yeah. like one of the things I love so much. I mean, there are other outlets for this other than BDSM, but it's something that I, mm-hmm. in my work, um, see incredible value in. Like all of us. We don't have enough time to go deep into shadow work, but yeah, I love the shamey, swampy, (laughs) darker parts that are often shunned. I love guiding people and integrating those because what happens when you do that is you feel free. Because you you take control of it, right? Well, you, you no longer goes back to if you don't name it, you shame it. If you don't acknowledge its presence, if you push it to the side, like, then you're denying that aspect of your identity. Mm-hmm. Whereas I remember I gave an example on another podcast I was on recently that I guess 10 or 12 years ago, I saw someone on the subway. I was living in New York City wearing leggings as pants, which is, by the way, something I do all the time now. <laughs> and I judged the shit out of this person. <laughs> Like, who is she to wear leggings as pants? Like, cover your ass. It's not that hard. (laughs) And now I hold clothing optional women's radical expression ceremonies where I, like, (laughs) bliss the fuck out wearing pasties and, like, booty shorts or, like, no shirt at all. And it's just, like, it's it's because I was denying the part of myself that wanted to wear pasties and booty shorts in, like, groups of people where that was safe and consensual. But I didn't have an outlet to do it. So I shamed the woman wearing leggings. Right. (laughs) And it's almost like I am freer now. (laughs) So much. And and it's so beautiful. Like when you think about like whatever you feel like judging in someone else, use it as a 
as a mirror to go, yes, is that something I actually want? And, you know, or secretly wish I could do, but I can't, you know, I've talked about um, orgy rooms, for instance, like, I don't like an orgy room. And one of the reasons is because I'm so distracted. And I find it so hard to sink into my body in that environment. And so I'm like, I don't know how people do that. That's my instinct. But then I can go, no, actually, I wish I could be a part of that and enjoy that um, just for the simple like ability to do it and to get yeah. calm in my body. It doesn't have to be my, my preference, but my desire to judge that comes from the fact that I struggle with getting into my body with a whole bunch of people around. So it, it was, if you listen, it's informing you of what it is that you actually might want or what you feel shame about for yourself or you find not good enough in yourself. Absolutely. And it goes the other way, doing work that is still taboo as we do. Yeah. Those comments you mentioned of people like shaming or condemning anything other than monogamy. And if you only have, if you don't have only eyes for one person, it's the wrong relationship. Mm-hmm. Like part of that is their programming. And part of it, if it was, if it was, it's a trigger because it hits on something. If they had permission for non-monogamy to be an option and they still chose monogamy, it wouldn't be triggering to them. Yep. Monogamy being prescribed and then them not having a choice, I would guess, my intuition tells me, is what results in that being a trigger. Because if there's no charge, you don't give a fuck what other people are doing. Exactly. I love yeah. that. I love that. Okay, so you just said charge, which made me think energy, which Mm. made me think of orgasms and transcendent orgasms, five of them to be exact. I mean, the number is limitless, but I can teach five. Your body will take over from there. (laughs) And then you'll tell me all the other things you discover in your body that I've never heard of because I hadn't heard of a lot of these. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love for you, because we don't have a ton of time left because... yeah, we both have to go. But five transcendent orgasms are are what you teach, five different mm-hmm. ones. And I would love for you to touch on that. We might have to have another podcast to maybe found <laughs> on them. I think we'd have days to talk about things. Um, but I'm sure they could go see you if they really want to learn more of these. Or maybe we can do a combined thing in the future and we can include all of the things. Mm. I would love to talk about them. Yes. So in School of Sexual Sorcery, which is my group program, the five transcendent orgasms I teach are, and this is for women with vulvas. Um, I say women with vulvas. It could be all humans with vulvas, but I know that all women with vulvas, people who've been raised as female, conditioned as female, this is for them. So extended clitoral orgasms, clitoral orgasms that go on and on and on, not the ding and done, <laughs> like hit the peak and then it goes back down. Or as a woman once described them, Christmas morning orgasms. These are like the Hanukkah orgasms. They just go on <laughs> and on and on. So there's extended clitoral, oh, aka Hanukkah orgasms. <laughs> oh, Then there is G-spot, gushing or squirting orgasms, cervical orgasms. Wait, is that different? Um, Cervical orgasms is number three. So extended clitoral, G-spot, squirting, gushing are all in one category. That's two. Cervical orgasms 
category three, um, non-genital breath, energy, mm. orgasms. I'm sorry, breath, energy, and then non-genital orgasms. Oh. So like no touch needed or touch elsewhere on the body. And so my definition of orgasm. Breath, sorry, <clears throat> breath, energy, orgasms, you say are different than non-genital orgasms? So once you open up these pathways in your body, um, there's there's really no limit to what your body can do. It's not like you have an experience and afterwards you're like, oh, I have this kind and this mm-hmm. kind. And like you don't check a list. They just they blend into this incredible experience. Sometimes it's like the whole thing is orgasmic and you don't know what yeah. just happened. Like you don't even care. But for the purposes of teaching, they fit into these five categories. I think the other one I left off was like blended, extended, 10 mm-hmm. plus minute. Um, with the 10 minute orgasm. Love that. Oh, one. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so good. Um, um, okay. Just real quick though, the breath energy orgasm. Yes. When you talk about that one, are you saying you feel that particular one also in your genitals, even if you're not necessarily touching them or is there touching? You can. So you bodies with vulvas can squirt or gush mm-hmm. without contact. You don't need physical stimulation. You can orgasm from, I mean, you can turn your entire body. Your whole body is wired mm-hmm. to experience pleasure. So if you learn how to unblock that and amplify it, you can feel it all over. Mm -hmm. My definition of transcendent orgasm, I think is important as it relates to these. So a lot of humans in bodies with vulvas think of an orgasm in terms of that steady rise, that peak climax, and that, that immediate drop off. Yeah. That's sort of what an orgasm is. These take a lot of different forms and shapes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are like emotional releases. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are, they plateau and then wave and then plateau and then wave. There are a lot of different trajectories, we'll call it. So I can't say how one woman will experience a (laughs) non-genital orgasm. Um, I can't say how one woman will experience a a G-spot or a blended extended orgasm but i can say that it's possible for them to and that i i'm just here to put their hand on the doorknob basically mm. like what's oh, on the I other side you're gonna of the put door? their hand somewhere else I- no i mean <laughs> like no shame in that you're welcome to touch your body however you want and just not at the table or with you know in consenting groups of adults <laughs> I'm just here to put your hand on the doorknob and what's on the other side of that will blow your mind and change your life. But oh, yeah. I can't say what's there. Yeah. That's for you to discover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with energetic orgasms and I've seen men have them too. And it's like, yeah. it like causes like tears to flow or like yes. shaking or, you know, yes. like your whole body is, is, is reacting. Um and it's incredibly yeah. vulnerable. I mean, especially yeah. it happens in a lot in conjunction with cervical orgasms, which yeah. are some of the most emotionally cathartic, transformative orgasms because energetically and physically, that's an incredibly 
often like shut down, mm-hmm. very self-protected center. Mm-hmm. And to experience those, there has to be openness. There has to be de-armoring. And to do that is incredibly, incredibly vulnerable, but so beautiful. Mm-hmm. In I, safety. Exactly. I was just going to say safety. Like when, when all of a sudden you have a partner that you feel safe with, the level of the kinds of sexual experiences you can have is totally different. And, um, and it's not, it's not to say that it just has to be one person. It's just, can, can you create that kind of safety with other people? You can create it by yourself. You can have this by yourself. All of these you can experience with or without a partner. Absolutely. Um, and then when you get to experience it along with a partner too, like you, you understand the beauty of safety and deep connected intimacy with someone to the point where your body just can be. Yes. And and that's what I want for people. That's what I want people to get to that place where they can open themselves up to these new experiences and not shut down that because of the programming, you know, like yeah. – you know, we're like, oh, well, an orgasm is like one and done. That's it. And that's all some women ever have experienced. And that's fine. That is, to- there's nothing wrong with that. No. Bless ding and duns. Bless them. <laughs> like, have as many as you want. And if you want to experience more, you know where to find me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no shame in them. No shame no. in them. If you've never had an orgasm, no shame in that. It doesn't mean that you can't. Exactly. you haven't. Yeah. And it's probably a good way to end. Just a little bit of a cliffhanger here. We're mm. just going to drop off and you haven't orgasmed yet. I'm sorry. You're going to have to come back another time. <laughs> no pun intended or maybe. <laughs> oh, funny. Well, Whitney, thank you so much. This is just, I feel so blessed. Um, for the conversations I get to have with people, like these unfiltered, honest, authentic conversations, I feel to me are life. It's like life breath, you know, like to me, it's like what lights me up inside. It's what gives me um, energy to do the things that I need to do. And um, I just, love the fact that I get to share this with other people and they get a glimpse into these conversations because it's so it's so cool right I think so too and yeah. it's a, it's things that a lot of people just won't talk about or have no one to talk to about these things and they want like, to people want to they do the groups I lead I always hear afterward oh my gosh I had no idea how much I wanted to talk about this I learned all these things in this conversation that I didn't know about or Mm -hmm. that I would have not known about or that, you know, I didn't feel safe to ask about. We all desire a place where we can have conversations like this. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming and for booking so quickly. I love it. You're like, oh, I'm in. (laughs) I was like, this is, this is my next available window after this. I don't know. Take it. Let's do it. No, right. No, it's so beautiful. I'm so happy. It was so much fun, and definitely this is not the end of our friendship. We have just, um, you know, started this conversation that is going to continue for, I feel like, many years to come. And just I'm excited to see what 
what comes from this. Can I, I would love to connect with anyone that this resonated with. Yes. Please share if how we can you, find you. Yes. If you are on Instagram or on TikTok, my handle is the same. It's embodied underscore mama, E-M-B-O-D-I-E-D underscore M-A-M-A. I love connecting with my community, especially on Instagram. Um, please find me if something in this resonated with you or you had an aha moment. I love to hear about those. If you are interested in School of Sexual Sorcery, you can find information on my website, www.pleasuresorcery.com backslash SSS. And if you would like to explore working one-on-one or learn more about what I do, you can book a call from my Instagram page or learn more about women who roar ceremonies, which you've heard me mention. And if you feel like roaring naked in a group of femmes, yes. I mean, I roar in a group of men and women. It doesn't matter to me, but it would be cool with with There's them. Yeah. something powerful yeah. that happens with yeah. a group of women in full raw expression that just yeah. recenters and realigns you and creates this remembrance of who you are at your core that I live for. That's so awesome. Well, that sounds very exciting. And uh, yeah, so go check her out. Check out when. Whitney Tugas and all her wonderful amazingness. And um, yeah, and reach out to me if you want to talk more about these things. I'm going to be opening up. um, Well, you can join the Breaking Free Authentically podcast group. um, And, you know, we can continue having these discussions there. But I want that to be a space where we can talk openly and um, have conversations about things. So. Anyways, thank, thank you, you for doing your work. Oh, and thank you for inviting this conversation and for your patience and us finally connecting. I know. I'm so glad we I'm so glad we were able to end in this way. I know. It was definitely worth the wait. So Yes. So yeah. Glad. It it was perfect timing cuz um we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation mm-hmm. back then. So this is perfect. Um, the universe is always conspiring in our favor. Exactly. So I just want to end by saying, I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. So have a wonderful day. I love you all. And thank you for joining us. Well, can you see why I was so excited about that conversation? It just flowed so easily and we could have kept talking all day, I'm sure. Um, It was just such a fun conversation and so informative. I feel like there's so many things in there that a lot of people just don't realize and they don't take advantage of. So be aware of your body. Don't be afraid to explore your pleasure and to tune into your body. Don't allow yourself to be numb Do the work to feel something, to get aware of your body. Don't avoid naming things so you don't shame it, whether that be a body part, whether it be a desire, an emotion, a fear, or whether it be a fantasy, you know, anything or a thought. Don't hold that back. Face it approach it, mull it over, 
and allow yourself the space and the grace to be able to name what's going on and not shame it, create safety within yourself, and then you can start creating safety with other people. And that's the name of the game, just to increase our intimacy and joy in life in so many areas. So I will leave you with this. Thank you so much for listening and being here. I appreciate your support and it makes such a difference to have you here listening every week. And it's just so nice to hear your comments. Keep them coming. I love hearing what you think about the podcast and what you've been learning. Don't forget to join the Facebook group and be a part of that conversation so you can uh, hear the live next week and the other lives that are coming. And then don't forget to take the quiz. And the address for the quiz is offers.kareenbedard.com. So go take that free quiz. Discover all the things that are in there that will make you think. Be prepared to just have your mind expanded. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at CorrineBedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at BreakingFreeAuthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to Kareen at KareenBedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.